Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hey everybody, welcome to the 140th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Um, it's been uh, it's been a fun week, surprisingly. Yeah, for you. Well, yeah, I don't know what you did. And frankly, yeah. you don't even frankly, care. I don't really care because yeah. you watched all of Netflix's Defenders, <laughs> and you had that coming. Um, Look, I had a, I was doing work. I, I had it on in the background. I, I, I watched it on the side, but I, I will tell you, and this is already completely unplanned for the yeah. episode but i'm as i think back on the on the whole netflix marvel series i really feel like the only uh, seasons that i truly liked like the full seasons of the show were daredevil seasons one and maybe Dare, uh jessica jones season one i didn't care for the second half or or part of daredevil season two i didn't care for the second half of luke cage i loved the first half with mahershala mm-hmm. but the second half didn't care for it too much and didn't care for any of Iron Fist. And gotta say, the Defenders just like be, when when you start to set down on the the path of not really liking something, it's really easy to pick up or or point out things that are just dumb. Like there are certain scenes in like in the uh, f- certain fighting scenes, uh, Iron Fist is fighting somebody, and the person he's fighting ducks, and he throws two punches like in the air where the person's face would be, but it's pretty obvious that the person ducked. There's no reason for him to punch the air at best. He, you know, he should just be kicking at the ground so the person can't evade it. But I don't know. Like there are just, there are just too many problems that I have with the show. And I told you that if the plot, if the plot, uh, if the plot point is followed through in season or episode eight, the final episode, I wouldn't watch those shows anymore. Well, guess what? That plot point happened. I don't think I can watch those shows anymore then. Well, there it is. There it is. Um, yeah, we're not going to get too far into it. All I know is that when you described Iron Fist to me, oh, um, I just knew that I wasn't going to be about this show at all. So, yeah. screw yeah. it. Um, yeah. anyway. Anyways. So, a couple months ago, I was doing some digging, and I had found out that one of my favorite artists, Gregory Allen Isakov, uh... And we're just going to refer to him as GAI because I don't want to say Gregory Allen Isikoff over and over and over again. Just call him Greg. What we can up, call Greg? him Greg. Let's what call up, him Greg. Greg. <laughs> yeah, what up, Greg? Shout out to Greg. Uh, he was going to be doing some shows on the West Coast, and I haven't been able to uh, ever see him live before. So I was just trying to see, like, oh, you know, what kind of venues are you doing? And because he's, he doesn't have as big of a following as some of your mainstream artists, he's not playing the typical, like, massive big venues. So I'm doing some search, and I was figuring maybe if he played at Red Rocks, uh, you know, that could be a really cool show to go to. But he had done Red Rocks recently, um, so I found out that he was gonna be in San Jose, and he was gonna be playing at this really cool venue called the Mountain Winery. The Mountain Winery is a is an actual, I guess, winery uh, that is uh, situated on top of a mountain. Hence the name. Now that I say that out loud, I don't really think that needed any more <laughs> clarification. But it's on top of this mountain outside of San Jose, and while it acts as a normal winery, what they did was they built an amphitheater in the middle of it. Okay. So, which is pretty cool. And 
he was going to be playing there, and he was going to be co-headlining a show with this other band, Blind Pilot, who I hadn't really listened to too much of, but my Spotify Discover playlist had put some stuff on there uh, every now and again. So I had reached out to a couple of people. Most people that I know have never heard of Greg before, uh, except one friend who goes, you know, I definitely would like to see Blind Pilot. I'll give a listen to Greg, and I'll let you know. And he did, and he goes, all right, let's do it. Let's book it. So... I waited for the ticket presale to show up a couple months ago, and like at 10 a.m., I log right in. I looked to get some tickets, and I was able to get the second row. I was able to get second row tickets, so I was like, nice. "All right, like, gotta do it." And each ticket was like 50 bucks. Like, it wasn't that much. Really? Yeah. Huh. And so I'm looking at flights now, and I could fly on points, and it wasn't going to be too much at all. Uh, I think it was only like thirty thousand points or something like that. Like not not a lot. Uh, well, because you got like what like like for your sign up bonus, how many points did you get? Like I got fifty thousand. No, I got a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand, Jesus, even more. All right, I got, I got a hundred thousand signing bonus, and I'm definitely like, I haven't even eaten into the signing bonus. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a couple. There's been a couple of like really big purchases on the card that. I'm doing through trips or through big dinners, and then you know that's how you sort of farm out some of these points. Uh, but also, like Chase allows you to pull points from the Freedom, Freedom Unlimited, Sapphire Preferred, and Sapphire Reserve, and the Ink. Like, there's a lot of cards that share the same pool of points. So if you get sign-up bonuses from different cards, you can just sort of pull them all together. So that's what I've been doing over the years. Now. Booked the flight on points, and then my friend booked the hotel and car on points as well. So we were we were pretty set. So on Wednesday, uh, the flight we took a flight out at six a.m. I want to say, and that was a big mistake. Let me tell you why. <laughs> um, six a.m. flights, and I was flying out of Newark. Uh, six a.m. flights oh mean that I have to be up at like three thirty. Yeah. Just to do like a final check of my bags, brush my teeth. I want to get a light breakfast in and then getting a cab, which takes about 45 minutes to get to Newark, security, like all that stuff. So it's 3.30. My friend's like, yep, I'm already up. My dad's going to drive me to the airport. Great. You know, I some I miraculously had packed my bag the night before. Um, So I'm eating some breakfast. I take a light shower. I'm dressed. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I, I look at... Uber, and Uber's telling me it's going to be about $66. And I go, okay, that's not bad. Because um, normally it's around $75. So like 66 is already, you know, a bit of a discount. Let me just try Lyft for whatever reason. And then I type in Newark. And I go, oh, okay, 50, $59. Let's do that. And I do like a Lyft line. So, you know, no one else is really going to be in the car with me. Is at, Lyft line like Uber pool? Like It's exactly like that. Okay. So, you know, you can save some money if you split the ride with other people. Yeah. And sort of the hack there is, well, if you do it at really awkward times, you can save a little bit of money and uh, and take Lyft Line instead of like an Uber Black or whatever it is, or Uber X. Or, um, so I did that, and... I am in the car, and we're driving, and there's obviously not too many people on the road. And all of a sudden, we get off the highway early, and I go, <laughs> I go, what's going on? He goes, he goes, wait, didn't you tell me you're going to Newark International Airport? 
I go, yeah. He goes, what terminal? I go, well, terminal B or whatever it is. He goes, yeah, you've made a mistake. You tapped in Newark and not Newark International Airport. Whoa. I go, we're going into the city. He goes, Whoa. yeah. Yeah, we're going to the city. He goes, it's okay. What we're going to do is why don't you? Why don't I pull over and then you sort of like we'll end the ride here and then you tap in again and hopefully, you know, because you're using lift line or whatever, I'll be able to pick you up. And what's funny is the second I got into like Newark, there's like all these cars around that are also really close. And I go, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I don't want to like get out on the side of the road at Newark at like four in the morning to got, get into another car when I'm already in this car. Thankfully, I was able to get – I was he was able to pick me up first and it was already – it was only going to be like seven bucks. So in the end – I didn't save any money. You saved zero money, and you lost a little bit of time. I lost a little bit of time. So I get to, uh, I get to New York. My friend's already waiting for me, and he goes, "All right." I go, "Hey, do you have pre-check?" He goes, "No, I don't have pre-check." I go, "All right, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully the security line is not too long at four something in the morning." There's a small line at four something in the morning. Um, I guess a lot of other people are flying out at six two. So surprise, surprise. Yeah. So I show the lady my uh, ticket. And she goes, yeah, you're going to go down the middle. And I look, I go, wait, where's the pre-check line? <laughs> uh, but I'm just like with my friends. So I was like, all right, fine. You know, we'll sort of just walk down uh, with each other. And when I get to the front where the lady like actually checks your ticket and your passport, she goes, what are you doing in the regular line? I go, that's what I'm thinking. She goes, TSA pre-check is over here. And I go, well, I didn't know that you guys were open. And she said, wait, you're telling me that we're not open in the front? I go, the lady just told me to come down the middle. She goes, no, 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 you're pre-check, go into the other line. So I was able to go through. And then for some reason, you know, I don't have anything on me. And then I get, I get selected for a random screening. Oh my God, really? There's no one in the pre-check line. There's only I... me. Wow. So I go, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, no, the, the, the system has selected you to be randomly screened. I go, what does that entail? She goes, well, you got to walk into the the bigger, like, x-ray machine. I go, oh, that's, oh, okay, whatever. Because I thought that was, like, the standard one to walk through, you know? Yeah. I thought you were going to, like, pat me down or something. Um, pat you down, take you to an interrogation room, ask about your family. Exactly. Ask about your trip. Like, why yeah. are you going to San Francisco for, like, a day? That yeah. seems suspicious. Why are you going to Indianapolis, Bill? Um, <laughs> so... I was like, all right, fine, we'll do this. And even through all that, I was out of security probably like five, six minutes before my friend was. And he goes, yeah, I'm definitely getting TSA pre-check. And I go, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have. Um, it, it, it's not even – it's really, really nice to have. It's really nice to have. Like only, you, I've already only, I think, a million people in the U.S. have TSA pre-check. Seriously? It seems yeah. like it's more like based on based on my, what, my, my one trip that I've ever taken with TSA pre-check. But – it's not like there's a terrible amount of people in there, but I guess I feel like there's enough that I would imagine that there are more people that have it, more than a million. Uh, it is very, very nice to have. Like, I've already forgotten the fact that you, you're supposed to take your shoes off. You're supposed to take your laptop out of your bag. They don't even put bins near you. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to empty my pockets and where to put the stuff would be like before my bag is on the conveyor belt. Like, I want it. I want to have my stuff out of my pockets by the time I'm on the little rollers before we get to mm -hmm. the conveyor belt. But regardless, it's it's great to have. And I haven't even been able to experience global entry yet. Yeah, you're gonna really like global entry. Yeah. So we 
we know we're waiting and we get something to eat, get a bottle of water, and I'm only traveling with a light duffel. Um, we get on the plane and I knock out immediately. Thankfully, it's a short flight. So we, there are two legs to our flight from Newark to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then Minneapolis, St. Paul, straight on to San Jose. We get to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the layover is like 35 minutes. So we land and we're like, we're waiting for people to like get off the plane. And you know how that goes where everyone decides to stand up and wait in the middle of the aisle. And normally I'm pretty relaxed about this, right? Because I'm sitting near the window. So I know that if we're like nowhere near, like ready to leave, I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to stand up. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense for you to like freak out and stand in the middle of the aisle. Like you standing versus you sitting, you're not making any more progress. Yep. Uh, At least that's how I see it. Glad I'm glad other people see it that way. Yeah. So, and I also don't appreciate it when it's like when we're filling out row by row that you try and jump me, like to walk yeah, past man. me. Right. Uh, because that's just, like it's sort of like merging onto a highway. It's like it's one and one. Don't try and squeeze in. Like don't be don't be a dick. Anyways, you're, you're not getting off any faster. Like you, it's not like you're going to be sprinting down. You're exactly. Going, you're stuck at the speed of traffic. And so you're going to get off the plane a quarter second faster than you or earlier than you, not even faster, really. And then you're probably going to pass them in the terminal because they're going to be walking real slow. Right. Like you – like exactly. You can't walk as fast as I can walk. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've only had 10 years of practice walking in this city. So we're booking it and we, we land in terminal like E. I think they have A through F and we got to get to like B. So we're just – so we go to the bathroom and then we are booking it. And then we get there with some time left, we're the, but we're definitely the last ones on the plane, and the plane is full. Mm. So we sit, and there's like a there's a nice little monitor for some entertainment. The first he, uh, the first flight didn't have any entertainment because I guess the flight was so short. Um, so I go, all right, well I slept on the first leg, like almost the uh, the entirety of it. So why don't I try and stay up a little bit? So they had the movie Ghost in a Shell. Oh yeah, uh, I've, seen, I've seen it. Yeah, so I started watching that, and then I lost interest about halfway through. I was like, this movie's <laughs> kind of bogus, and I just passed out. Uh, woke up with about 15 minutes left before we landed. We land, we're making our way through uh, San Jose Airport, and we go to get our car. What's funny is when we get to the Hertz counter, there's like a couple people standing behind the counter, but then when we go there, another Hertz lady goes, hey, do you want to use our kiosk? And I go, I go to my friend, I go, why... Shout out to Joe for, for for booking all this. But I'm thinking to myself, why would we go to the kiosk if you have two people who aren't helping anyone? And the kiosk was basically a, like a Skype call. Like you were calling somebody who had yeah. a headset yep. <laughs> in another location. Yes. And I go, so then why do you have people behind the counter then? Are those for like the gold members or the platinum members? I don't know. But it, it honestly took about 15 minutes to get our car and, like, go through all this stuff. Um, we get into our car. He had rented a Nissan Rogue, which is a nice car. Yeah. Nice little uh, 4x4. Crossover-esque. I don't know. Real quick, what was the uh, rental car service that you used? Hertz. Hertz. Okay. Yeah, I've done I've done that kiosk, like, video conference thing. It's so weird. Else. It's weird, yeah. It's weird. Do they also tell you how long you were on the line with them for? Oh man, I don't know. I don't. I can't remember. I used it when I was in Denver a year ago, and Good. I can't remember that part. 
but I did find it a little strange. And they they just the whole time she kept asking, "Oh, do you want to upgrade? Do you want an upgrade?" I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. No, I know I came like I booked it because I knew what I wanted. Exactly. Unless you're giving me a free upgrade, stop asking me about upgrades. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, you want an upgrade? It's only an extra thirty dollars a day." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm here for five days." Yeah, like I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. Um. We uh, we drove out of the airport, and because we couldn't check into the hotel until 3, we go, all right, let's get breakfast. So we drove to this uh, place called Billy's Cafe, a uh, great place where we were able to sit outside. Uh, and I ordered, like, some sort of uh, Mexican eggs benedict hash thing. And, and he got, like, a, a massive omelet. And w- no joke, when we put in our orders, less than two minutes later... The waitress comes out and she goes over to my friend Joe. She goes, "Hey, do you mind uh, taking this dish?" And we thought she was like needing help serving another table. And Joe's like, "What?" She goes, "No, that's your food." He goes, "Oh, wait, uh, really?" Um, like we were so, like, no joking. Like you put your order in under five minutes, all your food had come. And it looked like it was so pretty busy. So we were wondering like, where, where has this food been sitting out? <laughs> um, <laughs> the trade buffet. Yeah. Right. The, the one gripe that we had was the coffee mugs were a little on the small side, but it was free refill, so we, we drank a good amount of coffee. Uh, the food was great. Uh, it was nice to sit outside. It was also like 77, 78 degrees outside, and there was a nice breeze blowing that day, and the breeze was cool, and it was dry. Like, it wasn't like there was absolutely no humidity that day, which was nice coming from the city where... At least yesterday when we recorded, and on Friday especially. Friday, it was like 83 degrees with 88% humidity. It was nasty out. So it was good to come uh, to the West Coast where, you know, you're you're close enough to the ocean, but your breeze is is just nice and cool and dry. So we, you know, we, we uh, we had the brunch, and then we drove to Half Moon Bay which is about a 45-minute drive. We figured we'd go to the beach a little bit because it was still about two hours before we could check in. So, you know, we're driving. It's uh, We're putting on the music that we're going to uh, – of the artists that we're going to listen to. There's basically no one on the road because it's a weekday and people are working, which is nice. Uh, we drove past, like, Stanford University, the that exit, uh, Mountain View exits, uh, Redwood City exits, where, like, a lot of the gaming studios are. Well, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, know? yeah. Uh, then we made it to Half Moon Bay. We walked to the beach, and it was really nice because normally I'm told it's like 70% of the time you're in Half Moon Bay, it's super cloudy. But we went there, and it was like basically the most gorgeous day. And so we just walked along the beach. We found the bench. We sat there. We just stared into the ocean and just like talked and just relaxed, decompressed a little bit. Uh, walked back to our car. We drove back to the hotel. Uh, and this was like we got to the hotel at around 4. Uh, checked in. We both got ready. And the great thing about this hotel, the Inn at Saratoga, is it's at the base of the mountain, and our venue is eight minutes away. So it's like it it, it couldn't have been a better location. Like what would have been bad is if we stayed in like the center of town, yeah, and it exactly. took us like thirty five minutes to get there. Plus traffic. Plus traffic, because uh, the venue basically opens at five. And what I had done is uh, we were going to get dinner before the show. Because San Jose closes early, uh, knowing that if the show starts at seven, you get a two and a half, three hour set. Like you basically only have fast food to eat when you when you're done. 
So they actually have a lot of venue, like dining options there. You have like a barbecue porch that you can sort of uh, get a reservation at. There is the chateau deck, which is more of like fine dining. And there's a lot of like uh, food stalls with like, you know, fries and wings and, and sliders and all that stuff. So I got us like a three-course tasting menu where we could sit on the deck and we got there pretty early. There was also already like people showing up for dinner, which is which is good. So it wasn't like we were the only ones out there. And we couldn't figure out the right way to get to the deck. So we found like a roundabout way of getting there, which is basically like not walking through the kitchen, but like walking through like a service entrance. And then like this one waiter goes, whoa, 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 guys, what are you, what are you doing? And I go, we're looking for the Chateau deck. She goes, he goes, no, 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 you got to go all the way around. And I go, no, nah, dude, it's like right here. Right like, yeah. I just got here. Like, you're going to make me walk around? He goes, no, you guys can't be back here. And then the the waiter, uh, one of the, I mean, the bartender's like, no, nah, dude, you're already here. It's fine. Let him in. Um, I was like, yeah, thank you. We're already here. My name's on the list. Stop freaking out. Uh, and I requested a, a table at the edge of the deck so that we could overlook San Jose. Sort of like dinner with a view. Yeah. Um, we got a, an appetizer, a tasting course, uh, for the, in the tasting course was an entree, uh, an appetizer and dessert. So we both got the ravioli, like the, uh, caprese ravioli to start. And then we had like a, a graze menu. So we had like a little bit of pork, we had a little bit of beef and we had a little bit of chicken. And then we ended it with like some dessert and coffee. And when dinner was done... It was like 6.45, and we basically took two minutes and walked to our seats. Uh, and we were hoping that, like, our – like, the front row wasn't going to be full for some reason. Uh, but unfortunately, as we got closer to 7, like 7.10, uh, every seat had filled up, uh, at least with around us. Now, we looked behind us, and it was only at, like, 75% capacity. So it wasn't like every seat had been had been filled. Uh, unfortunately, the, there was a couple sitting in front of us where the woman was incredibly annoying, and I'll get to her throughout the story. So Blind Pilot comes on first, and music's great. They sound really good live, and they're you're basically playing in front of what looks to be like an old church. So it's like all this old stonework. They've got all the rigs around. There is the main singer. There is a like a guitarist, a secondary, a bassist, a drummer, uh, somebody playing a vibraphone, which is not a xylophone, uh, we were told, but a vibraphone and a trumpet uh, player. So a, a decent sized band and the main singer, the lead singer, has a really good voice. Uh, sounded better or just as good, if not better, than all of the albums that we had been listening to. So that was fun. Uh, it was fun to hear some of like the new takes that like, he was doing when he was doing live versions of his songs. And he gave us about an hour and 15 minutes, which was great. And we got a lot of uh, good pictures. Now, the woman in front of us was fine. She, f- she was definitely having a good time. And her and her partner, uh, he would like be taking a lot of photos. And he got some great photos because there's nobody in front of him. But every once in a while, she would like want to get up and dance. And nobody else was doing that. And so she'd look around and be like, why am I the only one standing? And part of me is thinking like, yeah, why are you the only one standing? (laughs) Like, we're not doing the encore where everyone gets up and they're on their feet. You can't just, like, stand in front of people like that when we're all sitting down. 
and I didn't want to yell out something because I'm in the second row. And then she'd look around and be like, well, I don't give a shit about people behind me. So you know like how when you stand up in these seats, like they sort of like auto-collapse up? Yeah. She was sitting on top of the cushion that way. So she basically oh. looked like she was eight feet tall. Oh, God. And so I'm just looking at my friend Joe, and I'm looking around, and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? That's really, really annoying because it, it, not only does it does it distract you from the show, but now you're just completely out of it, right? Now I'm, now I'm worried. Not pay, like, you're not even paying attention. Right. Now I'm worried for the entire time. Like, is this going to be a thing that you do? Like, every once in a while, you're just going to be wanting to get up and then see if it, why no one else is dancing. And then when you sit back down, you're sitting on top of the seat. Like, that's really, that's really rude. Uh, and the answer is yes, you would do that a couple more times throughout the show. But anyways, Blind Pilot gave us an hour and 15, and they got off, and we were like, oh, this is great. Uh, you know, we, everyone was able to go to the bathroom because they were doing a, a set change. Came out, Greg came out, and this is the moment I've been waiting for for years now. And Greg is absolutely incredible live. So the music that he does is like indie slash folk music. Uh, he's South African, but he has a farm out in Colorado, and his he's got four albums. Uh, the first three albums have very like nature themes that run through them. So the fur, you know, the, there's one that's called The Weatherman, and it's about, you know, sort of uh, different phenomena in that sense. There is one called That Sea, the, That Gambler. So there's a lot of, like, water themes in that. There's a Great Northern Hemisphere, so there's, like, sky and forest. And I really appreciate some of these, like, themes throughout the albums. And his last album was him doing a lot of his old songs, but he actually was working with the full Colorado Symphony. So it was more of a classical take on a lot of his music, which is great. Uh, and so listening to him play with this, his band was like definitely a sublime experience. And he actually was telling us that he and the band were in the studio for the last few months trying to work out this new album. And so he was playing a lot of his new stuff. Because I listened to it, but I don't know this new This is I don't know this song. This is a new song, like immediately. <laughs> and then you listen to it, because I'm always really nervous when an artist comes out with new music because it's you always hype stuff up right in your head like kanye is the perfect example for this for me yeah every new kanye album you're super excited and then on first listen you're like oh well this is garbage i ain't about this life at all that happened with every album since 808s like 808s i didn't like beautiful dark toasted fantasy i didn't like i didn't like yeezus i definitely didn't like saint pablo but on like further list, it was uh, Pablo also was weirdly released. Like the fact that it was still like a oh, working yeah. album and there's new versions. Like I didn't like that at all. He changed up ways like entirely. Yeah, yeah. So to hear his music that he was playing live was incredible because it was almost like oh wow, like I I dig this music immediately. Um. And we heard a couple of like his classic songs, like songs that I was super excited to hear him play. And there were a couple moments with both bands where, you know, their drummer and like uh, their bassist or whatever would leave, and they would pull up in front of a, a tiny microphone. And I think I posted one of those photos. Um, they would all be singing around one microphone, yeah. and because I was in the second row, like I felt like they were right on top of me, which was great. 
And normally, like, I'm not taking too many photos uh, at concerts because I'm usually far away. Or, like, if you're at an MSG, like, are you, like, what photo can you take that you're really going to be able to see something? Um, yeah. Most of the time, you're capturing that shit with lights. Uh, but this one, I was able to capture them pretty clearly. And I actually had tried to sneak my camera in uh, through security, and they were fine with it initially through security. And then this one woman's like, wait a second. If it can't fit in your pocket, you can't bring it in. And I go, really? I literally re- re- uh, repeated back to her. If it can't fit in my pocket, it can't go in because, yeah, those are the rules tonight. And I was like, watch me stuff this into my pocket exactly. right now. <laughs> You're just shoving it in. Just shoving it in. He goes, no, like, I'm sorry, it doesn't fit. <laughs> now, part of me was thinking, like, later, I was like, wait, what if I just unscrew the lens and put the body in one pocket and the lens in another? But then I was like, you know what? I don't want the lens to get scratched up accidentally because uh, I don't have the back cover for it. So the, the worst thing to happen would be like get a lot of dust in there or, or lint. I was like, mm, it's not worth it. Yeah, anything. Yeah. But ideally, I would have loved to have taken uh, photos with my camera because those photos would have been absolutely incredible. So what did they do? They, ch- they made you check it? They made then... me check it. Yeah, okay. roll call. So it wasn't an issue. Uh, but like just sitting second row, I would have loved to have captured some really nice photos. Um, but, you know... He also gave us, Greg also gave us about an hour and 15. And then what was great was the first band, Blind Pilot, came out and their full band played again with just Greg, the lead singer. So Greg would come in and do a couple of verses of Blind Pilot songs. And that was about 10, 15 minutes. We got like maybe three or four songs of that. And then Blind Pilot's lead singer would stay and Greg would bring out his full band and they would do vice versa. Sweet. And then last but not least, both bands came out as one big jam sesh. And they did like nice. three-ish songs with like 12 people on stage. And they basically gave us three and a half hours of this set, which was phenomenal. Because we got out at like maybe 10.30-ish. Like definitely a phenomenal concert. I actually bought some merch uh, at, the, at the venue. Now, I, am, I had originally tried to buy merch through his website on – the 2nd of August, so I figured you know, I'd wear the shirt to the concert. It'd be cool. I also bought a tote bag. Um, however, I realized like the Friday before we flew out that the email that I received from them that was like orders at merchtable.com was actually not a confirmation email. It was like, oh, something went wrong. Your cart is still full. Try again. Because I saw orders at Merch Table, and I immediately thought, oh, we're good. Yep. But I didn't realize that till the last second. I was like, "Oh well, let me try, and you know, try and rush it here." And it's like clearly still not here. Like I'm calling you right now, and it's still not here. Um, hopefully it'll be here Monday. But so I bought a different T-shirt. Uh, so I've got two of his T-shirts now, which is fine because I'm still supporting him. But it would have been nice to just like have the T-shirt that I want because they were selling the T-shirt that I had bought online. Uh, but. It didn't make sense to buy two of the same one, obviously. Of course, yeah. So that was a little bit disappointing because the idea was Joe had bought a shirt and I had, was going to buy a shirt and we would be like second row. We're both wearing a shirt. Like it was going to be a cool thing. Um, we get back to the hotel and we sort of like conk out. And then we decide to wake up at like 7 o'clock, shower. I'm all packed already. And we get breakfast. Uh, and then we flew out and we took like a, an 11 a.m. flight. Uh, got to MSP, 
and then the layover was again 20, 30, uh, 35 minutes. Uh, and then what was crazy was on the tarmac at MSP, it was a really busy time to fly out. So it was probably like 6-ish o'clock or 5.30. And we're being told that we're like the sixth plane in line. Like, okay. Like, definitely been on busy tarmacs before. Yeah. And then I took a photo when we were turning to be – because when we were like, oh, there's only two more planes in front of us. There's only one more plane in front of us. So, you know, your plane sort of like coming to the part where they turn. I took a photo behind me and there was like five large planes waiting behind us. <laughs> and yeah. I'm looking – and, I, you know, I've, I've got the – I'm on the right side of the plane. And so we're turned in a little bit. So I'm watching like this other like commuter jet turn on and I feel like they're about to, to take off. But then all of a sudden, he turns off and he takes like the outlet. So it basically looks like like you got the main runway and you have two like circular roads uh, at the base of it. It kind of looks like a penis. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but <laughs> you can basically like pull left or right if if something doesn't feel right or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can just quickly exit the inactive runway. So I right. see this Delta plane get on it, and I'm like, all right, he's about to take off, and then immediately pull off and like get back into the circle. And what was crazy was as he was pulling off of the main runway, less than five seconds later, a plane had landed. Oh, wow. Like, And I can't even imagine how angry the air traffic controllers probably were knowing yeah. that a plane was coming in, and then this guy had just like sort of like tried to sneak out. Like that would have been a collision like and I would have had a front on the runway row, right in front of yeah right in front of me like you would have seen my portrait video uh, on Reddit like breaking news you know collision <laughs> at MSP and everyone would be like why did he shoot it in portrait mode and I would have been like oh shit let me change this over to landscape and I would have had that sweet sweet karma at the cost of hundreds of lives but the it was just crazy because I'd never seen something like that because I was like Joe look at this plane pull out and all of a sudden another plane landed right like came screaming in. Yeah, I was like, hold, like I can you? I can't even imagine what the air traffic controllers must be yelling at that guy to be like. Pull yeah, it depends out. on. I guess it depends on who gave the clearance because he may have been given clearance and they may have screwed up. Like it could have that been. May, air, that might have. It could have been air air traffic controllers' fault. It could have been. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, so that was a little bit of drama. Um, I don't remember what movie I saw on the way back, so that should tell you how much I liked it. Uh, but. I'm trying to figure out quickly what movie I wanted to see. Uh, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what, I, what movie I saw. <laughs> uh, and then we got to MSP, and then you know, flying out to New York, it was fine. And we landed in New York. Uh, I took an Uber. I tried to do an Uber pool, and what's crazy was it only cost me $29 to get from New York back home. Wow. Yeah. So Not I should have done – That $67 stuff. should have done an Uber pool – at three thirty in the morning, probably yeah. would have cost me the same amount. All in all, less than a full day, really, to be out there. But it was great. Love fun little adventure. Fun yeah. little adventure. Not jet lagged, honestly, whatsoever. Uh, one of the honestly one of the best concerts of my life. Uh, when you see your favorite artists at an incredible outdoor venue, and the acoustics are so great, you have a second row seat. You're you're going with someone who also appreciates the music. The only thing that would have made it better is a if I was in the front row and b if I was in the second row, I wasn't sitting behind someone obnoxious. Yeah. Um, and it didn't make like there was a couple seats, open seats around us in the second row, 
Uh, but the issue was that, like, they were actually some of the shortest people. Like, everyone that kept sitting in the front row was, like, easily over six foot. I was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. So, yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, and then, okay, segue. When I landed, I got back to my place. Shout out to Nicole. Uh, I was telling her about how the episode had leaked uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, the Game of Thrones, the latest Game of Thrones episode at least. She goes, wait, what are you talking about? And I go, yeah, season seven, episode seven or six? Is it six? Yeah, it was episode uh, six because six? there's seven this season, yeah. I go, yeah, six at least. She goes, is it online? I go, yeah, that's that's where it is. So she goes, we got to watch it. I go, I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's already Thursday. We can survive. She goes, no, no, no. You have to watch it now. So I go, all right, fine. Send me the link. I'll shower. And then we were basically like live texting throughout the entire leaked episode. And then I stupidly uh, stayed up till like 2.30 in the morning just discussing theories with her about what had happened and what we think will happen. So yeah. let's dive into it because yeah. I know you saw the leaked episode. And by the time – spoiler alert – but by the time you guys hear this, it won't have been considered the leaked episode anymore because it will have aired. Yeah, I'm still going to watch it tonight. Uh, yes, but but yes, definitely spoiler alert. Uh, this is for the episode that's airing on August 20th. I think it's episode six. And yeah, I wasn't planning on watching it. I knew it, I knew it had leaked. And then all of a sudden you're like, yo, no, you got to watch it right now. You got to watch it because it's, it. like, it's, 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 it's a penultimate episode. And you know these episodes are massive. Yeah. So yeah. why don't we why don't we just start from the beginning? Uh, right. when they're walking through the snow. Uh, I mean, one of the yep. immediate theories is that John Snow, because there was a pullout shot uh, at the end of se- uh, episode five, where they're basically showing the twelve people when they're about to get, you know, when they're surrounded, right? Um, or no, right before the bear attack, like the undead bear attack, they uh. They showed all of them like backing up into a circle, right. and they said that there's twelve of them in a circle, and that's supposedly a nod slash potentially a hint to John being the last hero. Yeah, the a lot of, of theories about hero. who John really is because there's the uh, Azora High theory about John, and then the last hero theory about John. Like, which one is he? The fact that he could be the fact yeah. that he could be either. Is is uh is pretty cool for his character. Potentially, uh, I I really liked uh, I really liked the fact so that what? he actually. I I was saying I like the I like the fact that he was able to speak with Jorah, and and because because I talked to you about this earlier in the week actually one of my gripes with episode five was that, or or the show in general is that the. I I don't like that I don't like that there are just a lot of conversations that could happen that just don't happen between characters and maybe that's not mm-hmm. the best example like oh hey you're Jorah I met your your dad and he gave me uh, your sword if you want it back or anything like that like it didn't have to happen like that but I did appreciate the fact that after talking with him a bit he 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 did speak to Jorah say you know your father was a great man he gave me this sword but it belongs to your family and the fact that Jorah denied it is actually a pretty big deal because I think we discussed before how rare Valyrian steel swords are and how certain houses can't even yeah. buy it 
they can't buy Valyrian steel because it's that rare. Like the Lannisters, right, like, the richest house exactly. in, in Westeros, weren't, they weren't able to recover. They did have one and then they lost it uh, when, when uh, one of the sons or one of the, one, when one of the Lannisters went out to old Valyria and he never returned. So they, they lost their sword. But ever since then, they haven't been able to recover it. And I think I'd mentioned how Tywin's younger brother went to old Valyria. At least this is in the books. He went to old Valyria to try to recover it and he never returned. So the fact that they finally, they got ice and they were able to melt it down and create two swords out of it. Uh, so now the, the, there is another Valyrian steel sword in the house and the, in the Stark household again. Right. Uh, that sort of moment of him trying to give back, what was it, Longclaw? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a, a big deal. Um, and you're right, Jorah sort of sort of saying no is, uh, is a pretty big point. Um, however, do you think, like, Jorah... Uh, like it did, if that definitely still fell in line with his character. Like he he yeah, it did. It, he's it really trying did. to be reborn, knowing that he has lost a lot of honor, especially it being banished the way he was. Yeah, he really did shame his house when he did that, and he s- severely disappointed his father. I was listening to uh, the uh, to binge mode, and I believe that they had mentioned. I believe they said that uh, Jorah's father, he. He sent himself to the, to the Night's Watch because he wanted to allow Jor be, to become the leader of the house. And Jor was so infatuated with this woman that he needed money. And that's when he was caught trying to sell people into slavery. And so that's why he was banished. But uh, and, and so he's felt a terrible amount of shame ever since then. And that's why you have Liana Mormont, the little 10-year-old girl, as the, the head of the house. Because there's no there's no one older. Everyone's died in the wars for uh uh robert you know robert stark and jor feels shame about that like he feels terrible uh so it's i i do appreciate that his you know his character sees that remorse he feels that remorse you think uh you think liana mormont is gonna make it to the end yeah she's, she's too she's too young uh to to really do much. I mean, maybe we'll see her in battle in season eight. I don't know, but I I, I feel like she's just kind of she's just going to kind of be on the sidelines. We're not really going to see anything of her until later on. But hey, I could be wrong. I mean, John made the, the point to say that everyone must fight. Anyone who can hold a sword has to fight because this right. is going to be a tough battle against the White Walkers. Yeah. So what what did you think? So when the you know, the the bear attack happens, then they come across a short, a small scouting party led by a White Walker, and they're fighting by a them. white right, and like a white. A yeah. White Walker was leading the group of whites. Yeah. Wait. And John kills a white. Is it wait? Is it the white or the white like? So what? How's the uh, the hierarchy go? Is a White Walker like a basic soldier, and a white is the leader, or is it vice versa? Vice the opposite, yeah. The whites, the whites are the little minions, the, gotcha. the dead people. But the White Walkers are the 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 others. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on the fact that John, when John killed the White Walker, all the whites around him except for one went down? Why do you think that one white didn't die too? 
I think what's interesting about that, uh, besides the fact that it's so lately introduced into the sort of the, the canon of the show, is it's actually pretty smart. So in, a, in this new world, uh, now I don't know if this just is only because the whites are like recent indoctrinations or they're sort of doing a new thing or they can program it on scouting parties to be this way, but it would make sense where one of them wouldn't be tied to potentially the White Walker that had converted them, just so that in the event that they come across a larger party and the White Walker dies, then the they have like a sort of a, a call for reinforcements. Because when that White got surrounded by John's party, like that scream that he gave was really loud. Yeah. And so I can imagine it just being like a mobile siren Sort of like a, hey, we need backup. Um, oh, they got a lot of backup. <laughs> they got a lot of backup. Now, the interesting thing was that if we go all the way back to Hard Home, the battle at Hard Home, John kills a White Walker. John kills a White Walker that looks just like that White Walker, like one of those old looking dudes. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't see anybody else explode. Nope. So, so what are we doing introducing that into the show right now? Yeah, I, I agree with that a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But it yeah, it it certainly seemed like it was they yeah, they kept one at, at least one. They you know, they could have killed another one. They did kill a couple other whites before before they killed the white walker, but that he wasn't he wasn't tied to that single white walker so that they could let other people know, "Hey, something's up." I oh. I don't know how I feel about I don't know how I feel about the fact that they were they were, you know, after the, after this happened, they sent they send Gendry. Gendry goes on a uh, not even a marathon sprint. He had to run a lot longer than that, or a lot further than that. Took it, he he basically ran for twenty four hours straight. Seemed like he, it. And then he collapsed. He collapsed like right outside the door, which like is he weird because he, he didn't like what people didn't see. Like if we just go back to uh to, or move forward to later the episode real quick, where Danny's on top of the wall. And yeah. they can see John from that far out. Like they're not gonna open the door for the one dude they know is running back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I don't know how I feel about the fact that the the, the walkers or the sorry, the whites, I guess and the white walkers just stopped when when they when they got surrounded on that rock, they were just sitting there for a day. They didn't they didn't advance, like I don't know. The, the, the White Walkers bring the cold. I imagine they have some type of magic to freeze that, that, that lake again. Or like no, no one was like, oh, let me, let me check the water. Let me check to see if it froze over during the night because it probably got a little bit colder. They waited until the hat. Well, I mean, they weren't waiting for that moment, but that, that was the moment where, where the hound threw the rock and it just skidded across and just showed that it was, it was frozen over again. That's when they advanced. Like it seemed, it seemed like an interesting way to get to allow them to wait to wait it out and and just be surrounded in suspense but it wasn't long enough they so genji runs back we'll we'll assume that he got back at around the same time they got to the rock which i think was the case or at least sometime during the night then they send a raven from eastwatch to dragonstone then danny gets the, the raven gets on her dragons rides back north somehow finds this small this small crew of people 
in all of the north, in all of in all of the lands beyond the wall. She had no idea where they really were. She had were no idea where they were. Because Gendry didn't know where they really were. Exactly. So Gendry couldn't say – like he, he could have given an idea, I guess. He could have given given them an idea, say, oh, he was somewhere you know, this far north of the wall at this particular location. But like she, she came in. She knew exactly where they were. But regardless, all this had to have happened. All this had to have happened within 24 hours. Get that raven to Dragonstone. Danny then rides up, rides north. I don't know how many miles that really is, but that's not, that. There's it's just not enough time. <laughs> she had to have been like a fighter jet. the 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 Raven had to have had rockets on it. You know that that picture from the Free Folk subreddit. Uh, there, there's just no way that could have happened. So I don't particularly like how that was handled or how that was done. I don't know that they could have done it any other particular way in order to get Danny back up north to to meet them but it just it it clearly couldn't have been enough time and the whole the whole like speeding up time trent people just teleporting in the series this particular season has been a a, a bit of an annoyance like when it happened at the end of season six where where varus came back to marine where he so he was in marine then went to dorn then came back to marine and was on the ships with them heading back to westeros I, I, I just took that as, oh, well, we haven't seen him in a bit. So when he was in Dorne, it's not like it was actually right then in the episode, like on that same timeline, that was somewhere in the past. They don't tell you, they don't tell you what day certain things are happening, but I just took it as, oh, well, that was sometime in the past. And then he got back right when they were ready to leave. So now he's on the ships with them, but it's very apparent now they just, you know, the time, time is not really much of a thing and people can teleport from place to place without it really being an issue. Yeah, uh, my favorite sort of comment, and I know you've seen it before on Reddit, is this episode, uh, this season of Game of Thrones is like a session of, what, Dungeons and Dragons? Except everyone has to go home soon. So, like, <laughs> yeah. we're just like, we're just flying through like, oh, what normally would take us episodes to walk and get there. Now take, like, basically a fate to black. Um, when it's, it was impossible for Danny to find them, and then it would have, like, you're right. There was no food that John had and them on that mid in the middle of the ice. Okay. You're right that they bring the cold because we've seen that before in the introduction of one, uh, of one white, uh, all the way back in Winterfell, right? Where the entire room got really cold. Yeah. And now exactly. you're, now, now there's thousands of them and they've surrounded you. And so you're telling me that, uh, Whatever fire you guys had, because you definitely have some light bringers, uh, not going to be warm enough. You have no food. You're just standing there trying to stay awake the entire time, knowing that they're going to cross over and attack you at any time. There's no way they would have all survived. I know one of them uh, froze to death. They should have all frozen to death. <laughs> I don't care if you got the fire inside you. It's cold as hell up there. They really should have put. A, they really should have put a, a, a lit sword right next to Thor or so why he slept because right. Man, I feel like he he was the one person that should have been that they should have been kind of surrounding and been around. But like, yo, this dude's this dude's clearly been injured already. Yeah, he shouldn't be freezing to death in the middle of the night, like uh, where where it goes in the middle of all of us. Where, yeah, where when it goes unnoticed, like it's totally it's fine that he froze to death, but it was unnoticed for so long. I guess. Yeah, everyone's like, like I'm, I'm not Thoros, assuming that he. What happened? I, I'm just saying, I'm not. I, I'm assuming that he didn't just die right then. Where like they looked at him two minutes ago, he was fine, and they looked at him again, and he was dead. Like, right? It seemed like it happened a while before. Right. Uh, I mean, the fact that Danny has to get the news, 
Danny has to interpret the news. Danny has to fight Tyrion to get on the horse. Danny has to change into her winter camo gear, <laughs> right, and then fly off. Like all She's those got things, her winter coat, right? She's got to taxi the dragons. They got to take off in the right order. Like all this stuff takes time. Uh, you knew that a dragon was gonna get got though immediately though, like when all three of them flew out, it and the second they uh they cut to uh the White Walkers like spear you knew that that thing was just he, it's it not was like doomed he, right you know he's not gonna miss come on this, I, this dude's a god I told you about I text I I mess so. I'm watching this episode and I'm talking to you on Slack. You've obviously already seen it. So I'm yeah. giving you all everything like as I'm seeing it. I know you're like in and out. But as when when I think I think when she got the notice and she said she's leaving, I was like, oh, there's no way one of the dragons survives this. A dragon is going down for sure this episode. And the convenient thing about this is then you don't need a third dragon rider for that third dragon. We all know that John's going to be the second dragon rider, but we didn't know who would be the third. I saw a lot of theories about Tyrion. Su- suggesting that Tyrion could be a Targaryen and actually Danny's uh, half brother, but you don't got to worry about that anymore because third dragon is dead. Yeah. So, and he's got an arm, dude. Yo, they had this. They, you know, yo, we had, the, we had the scorpion. We we had the super big crossbow, the ultimate weapon that that Kyburn and all of his architects were able to come up with a large a large uh, crossbow. And that wasn't able to take out a dragon. It hurt him, yeah. But damn, this was a single throw. My man, my man got that javelin arm. Yeah, you know, he would kill it. He would crush in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, he, some say that that spear is still flying to this day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was an incredible throw. Uh, dragon sort of falls, and he should have thrown it at the at Drogon. Like, all of the people yeah. are escaping. I thought he was going to throw it at Drogon. Well, he I did. I for Drogon for, for He a did. Well, the first time. He threw it at, he threw it at uh, the first dragon that he killed, or the only dragon that he killed, well, well, yeah. was when everyone was still boarding Drogon. Oh, right, right, right. I was like, oh, he's got a stationary target. It's, like, right there. He yeah. can easily kill him. And he almost took him down, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that nobody besides Jorah... Like almost fell off that dragon when the dragon yeah, like same. pulls that that maneuver yeah. uh, as aggressively as it does. Um, but again, what this proves is that both Danny and John are terrible tacticians. <laughs> what was like, especially when John what yells, John "Fall doing? back!" Like, fall yeah. back where? Fall back to where? You're on a rock. You want a rock <laughs> in the middle of this like frozen lake, and you're was, surrounded. Exactly. Fall <laughs> like when everyone looks back at him. Happened. Yeah, no, that was my exact thinking when I saw yeah. it too. Fall back where? Where are you going? Yeah. Ugh. You got no more land. It's like being on the side of a cliff. Like, fall back. You want me to jump? Yeah. What? Yeah, if you want me to jump, you got to let me know right now. But uh, but John's the reason why Viserion got killed. I don't understand. There. So when I listen to Binge Mode, a, a lot of a lot of what Mallory, Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion say is that John is, like, he's very upset about the fact that he's alive. He doesn't know why he's been brought back. And ever since he's been brought back, he's kind of wanted to die. He keeps going on these these suicide missions. Yeah. When he when he wrote out like the, the plan, they they had a plan when they fought the Battle of the Bastards when he was fighting against Ramsay. Obviously, Rakan was was killed, but John still could have retreated and and made it back to his his army. Or you know maybe he could have retreated and made it back to his army. I don't know about that for for sure, but. 
he just charges. He's one man against an entire army and he would have been killed had his, his, had, uh, had, uh, what's his name? Davos not right. ordered the men to charge. And so now you have, you have the dragon is here. All you have to do is get on, right? And he's just killing whites for no particular reason. You know, they're just going to be brought back. You know, your, your Valyrian steel sword doesn't make them dead forever. They're going to be brought back. So he's just fighting them for no particular reason. I guess, I guess what he was thinking was, I'm going to bat, I'm going to fight my way to the Night King. He's close enough. I can kill him. Right. But he's just, you know, just, he's holding them up. And because of that, Danny's dragon dies. Viserion, I guess, is the one that died. Right. And, and then afterward, you would think that Danny would be pissed that her dragon's been killed and she would think, if you just got on, maybe we would, maybe we would have had time to get away. Maybe we, maybe he never would have had a chance to get that throw off. But nah, all she's worried about is John. Like I, when she was staring longingly, I thought she was ex- like hoping that maybe there's a chance that the dragon comes back. But it turns out she's just waiting for John to show up. Yeah, which does not make sense because yeah. at least if you were to take the writing at face value. Right, because you have to imagine people out there don't know that like R plus L equals well not R plus L equals J. They they'll know that now, but they might not know the significance of that. Because like yeah, like a lot of people are nerdy about this show, but I also believe that there's certain people out there are just like I don't like who don't go on the internet and read this stuff and don't really yes. care about all that stuff. And if you were to tell them like, hey, Danny and John like fall in love with each other, like, yeah, I get it because they're like you know two of the bigger characters on the show and you're always rooting for that kind of stuff but the writing has been so garbage trying to sell this love story danny has had her dragons for years she just lost one she doesn't give a shit about john it's they're literally her baby she calls on her babies all the time yeah her children and for for one of them to die i and and for the mission that or for the rescue of John, she should be she should be mad. She doesn't have she doesn't have to be mad at him for fighting them and, and slowing them down, whatever. That that's that that's fine. He probably would have died anyway. But she should be really upset about that and she shouldn't be like there shouldn't be this little romance brewing right now. The right. way they, the way they have it. I feel like I feel like there are two there are two major reasons for why this is happening. Because the the writing on the show the the events that have been happening haven't been as good as they have been in the previous seasons the first is that it's just it's just rushed they only have two seasons left to tell a whole lot of story and why do they do that like why do they cap themselves at I, two seasons i don't know that's what i've been wondering they not only do they cap themselves at two seasons but they cap themselves at seven episodes per season maybe got and they kind of sold it saying yeah it could be that they sold it as they try to sell it basically saying well the episodes will be longer, so you're going to be getting like movie length episodes. But no episode is terribly long this season. I think this was this was by far the longest episode this season. I think it was like 71 minutes, so it is long, but it's not like you're getting a 90 minute or two hour episode to make up for the the lack of minutes that, from that you would get from three extra episodes. And and yeah, it's just very apparent that things are just being rushed. They're just glossing over certain things. They're trying to push stuff in this story the way that they never really felt to do in the in the past i was describing to elena that why one of the reasons why i like this show in the first season you you get a lot of like all right so you watch a movie right and in the movie at the very beginning of the movie they need to convey 
who certain characters are and what the relationships are to other people and what ties these people together. So you, you kind of have like a brother and sister walk into the room and the brother greets his sister like, hey, sister, remember when we did this and that like, you know, five years ago, it was this glorious battle, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, ah, yes, I remember that. Like, that's a really weird thing for somebody to actually say to someone in real life. You wouldn't have that re really happen. Game of Thrones didn't doesn't really do that very often. And you get this exposition in in moments that seem to make sense that kind of explain a character's backstory. So the one that I think of, and maybe, it, I don't know if it would really happen in real life, but the one where Peter Baelish, where Littlefinger is talking to Roz and the the uh, the other whore in his, in a, uh, in the king's landing and he's talking about his motivation and why he is or who who he is and he's taught like you know he's trying to train them how to properly have sex for the for their customers and he's talking about his history and you you know it maybe if you think about it in that context it seems a little weird but i don't know in the moment it didn't seem weird to me at all like it didn't it didn't stand out as being something strange nowadays you're just getting exposition just for the sake of it or just for the just for the viewer and there seem to be doing a lot of uh favors to the viewer like i love davos as a character but like when he's in king's landing he's talking to, to gendry and he goes oh I, I i i thought you may have still been rowing at this time at this point it's been it's like three seasons later three seasons since we've seen gendry and one of the fun like the theories that people would say is oh gendry's still out there rowing somewhere we know he's going to come back to this show sometime so he's probably still rowing and the other thing was the way they the way they told people in the last episode, which I guess we could have discussed since we haven't. But the, a lot of the casual fans don't really know who Rhaegar Targaryen really is. They don't understand the context. So Rhaegar is is uh, Daenerys' older brother. He was the prince. He was he was supposed to be the king after uh, his dad dies. Right. He had two kids with. Uh, What's her name? Uh, two kids with uh, oh, uh, I, the the Martell woman, the the Martell sister. It's Oberyn's sister. I'm yeah. I'm blanking uh, on her name. Illyria. Right Illyria. Yeah. Is that her name? Or right, Elia? So. Is Elia or yeah. Illyria? Elia. Yeah. I think I think it's Elia. Yeah, Elia yeah. Martell. He I was trying to decide if it was Elia or Illyria in my head. <laughs> because they all sound the same. Yeah. So he has two kids with her. That's his wife, and. The whole reason why Robert Baratheon becomes king is because Rhaegar Targaryen, Targaryen, this is a story that they've told. He kidnaps Lyanna Stark, he rapes her, and then kills her. That's the story that everyone in Westeros knows. And Robert Baratheon was in love, and he was supposed to marry Lyanna Stark. He goes to war after uh, Ned's father and brother are killed by the Mad King. Kills Rhaegar. Uh, then then Jamie Lannister stabs the king in the back and Robert Baratheon ends up becoming the king. That's the story. And Rhaegar Targaryen is a Targaryen. Robert Baratheon hates, he hates Targaryens, but it turns out that Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen actually loved each other. He didn't kidnap her. She went, she ran away to be with him. And he somehow has his marriage to, to, uh, to Elia Martell annulled and then has a baby with Lyanna Stark. That, that child is John. And in the last episode, when Sam is talking to Gilly, Gilly is reading a book about the dude talking about the steps and his bowel movements. And she goes, oh, is annulment a common thing in this land? It says here that Prince Ragger had his marriage annulled and was married to another. 
and Sam just explodes and, and is just complaining about how nobody listens to him. But like that, that right there was, was proof that not only is Rhaegar, uh, not only is Rhaegar John's father, but John is a legitimate Targaryen. And now is, he is the rightful heir to the, to the Iron Throne over yeah. Daenerys. That was a big deal. And the fact that they, that they did it in such a way seemed a little, I don't know, seemed a little weird. I felt like they would have done it with Bran. Like we already, we already know that John is, is Lyanna's son or yeah, is, is Lyanna's son at the end of, uh, season six when Bran goes to the Tower of Joy and sees that happening with the cut from the baby to John. But the fact that John is a legitimate Targaryen was done in a, in a, is in an interesting manner. Like it's cool to know. And I know for the fans of the books, you know, they've been waiting for 20 years for this, but I'm not sure that that was done in the best way. It felt too cute that yeah. they were going to do it that way. Yeah. That of all the people to break this news that we had sort of like a, a secondary third or tertiary character break the news the way she did. It just felt yeah. a little too cute the way they did that. Yeah, in a way that didn't that nobody nobody paid attention to it. You know, maybe she won't forget it. Maybe she'll may, like nobody knows that John, other than Bran, nobody knows that John is Liana's son, right? So for that connection wouldn't be made by Sam. I've heard a lot of people complaining about the way it was or the, the fact that Sam didn't say anything. Maybe the only reason, in my opinion, that he would even, it would even make him raise his eyebrows is the fact that it said Prince. So Prince Ragger, you know, he's a smart guy. He would definitely put it together, Prince Rhaegar, but that doesn't make any connection to, to Lyanna. That doesn't make a connection to John. Right, right. So all, all he gets is, oh, well, maybe, maybe he would say, oh, okay, well, maybe it was, it was Lyanna. He got married to Lyanna. I don't know. But regardless, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for the characters. Maybe she'll somehow bring it up when, or when it comes out to, when it comes to the, in the open, that this was a thing that she read in this scroll or this book a long time ago when Bran makes it, you know, public knowledge to John. I don't really know, but it did seem a little weird. I guess I was making two points. I was saying that everything's rushed a, a while ago, why I think there's issues with the writing. The other is just that they've passed, uh, George R.R. R. Martin in the book, from, from where he is in the books. They know where he's supposed to go with the story, but I feel like they're making up a lot of things as they go. And again, because it's rushed, they're just, you, you just, I feel like by not having the source material to go back to, things just seem off. Things don't seem perfect the way they should be. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. I still love the show. Love the show. I, it, to it's me, tough. it does seem like a lower quality than it had been in previous seasons. Yeah, there was just more depth uh, of what seemed like material that they were working with, so not as uh, not not as good for for, for some of these moments. Uh, if we can go back to Bran for a second, I know oh, yeah. I know Bran's living like ten lifetimes, a thousand lifetimes right now, uh, <laughs> but Bran needs to. Brand needs to get back to this lifetime because, like, when we were talking about the raven that Gendry had to send, yeah, why isn't Bran just watching all this and just like preemptively, like yeah. getting getting stuff ready? Like, I know that he can warg and I know that he can green sea. It's like obviously it would be nice if he could also become like a faceless man like Arya can, and it's probably better that one person can't do all these things because then like there would be no plot, there would be no reason. Uh, but 
I just feel like Bran is like, oh, Bran knows what's gonna go, what's gonna happen potentially this time around because he's playing with all this stuff. But at yeah. the same time, he's like way too passive uh, for how much he knows. And it could be nice to use Bran as almost a plot device to just give us more backstory on on why we're here. Like I know there was there was something done a while back where you know he uh like brendan like showed him like the original children of the forest pushing the dragon glass into the the human's heart and all that stuff like that was worth seeing because you get a sense of who you're fighting and i just want to see what bran is seeing whenever he's going back in time yeah i completely agree with you i wish we had more of his visions like the visions that we saw were interesting for the viewer to see you know the the history of the starks the history of john but there's a lot of there's a lot that they could work with to give the viewers of the show some more history on on certain certain elements of the show like absolutely the 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 robert rhaegar battle maybe maybe show that rhaegar didn't actually kidnap liana maybe she ran off in the middle of the night to be with him i don't know but yeah there's a lot that's a you you have a ton of powers you have infinite possibilities with with uh bran right now one thousand percent um, you think this Arya Sansa stuff? Uh, you think Arya is just playing Sansa to get to Littlefinger? Do you think Sansa is complicit in all this and is playing along like she's gonna get, uh, like like they're fighting? Or do you think Arya and Sansa are truly fighting? Yeah, see, that was one thing that I found interesting. I I, I, I forgot. I even forgot that that happened in this episode. I feel like Arya is playing Littlefinger, maybe to get him out in the open. I feel like Littlefinger dies next week. Yeah, I think I think two people, I think two big, maybe three big people die next week. I'm just mad. I, I'm mad that, uh, I would be really upset if, if Arya is getting played by Littlefinger like this. It seems, it seems like it's too little of a thing for her to be mad about. Like, I, I saw this in the Reddit comment. I saw this in a Reddit comment, actually. So, Arya was basically saying, well, I didn't I would have died for for dad. I would have died for the memory of him. I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have let the the Lannisters take me prisoner and write such a letter and do this and that. It's immediate as soon as Kat and Rob got that letter from Sansa, they were like immediately, "Oh, this was done under the, under the queen's pressure. These it may be Sansa's hand, but it, it, these are the queen's words." Arya should understand that. She's done a lot of training with the faceless men. She she should understand you got it you, you you do what you got to do to survive. Not to mention the fact that Arya it's not like Arya left King's Landing and went and went training immediately. She was riding with Yorn before Yorn I think that's his name Yorn from the Night's Watch before yeah. he got killed. And then she was taken prisoner where she where she served as freaking Tywin's cupbearer. She got three kills and what does she use her three kills on? Like the first one was the the freaking the torturer the torturer. The second one was some random dude who almost caught her. And then the third kill, she cheated so that she can get extra kills so she and her friends could escape. She could have said, like, Tywin. She could have said a bunch of other people. She she literally served Tywin to protect herself. So the fact that she's mad at Sansa for doing what she needed to do to protect herself is is super... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, you, she so, so if she... If if she really is mad at Sansa, if she really is fighting or is, is upset with her and trying to oust her, I would be really upset with her character because it doesn't seem to make sense. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, that was a great uh, point about Tywin uh, Cupbearer and her role as that from a while ago. Yeah, that was the Reddit commenters. I didn't make that connection, or I didn't, I didn't think of it. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to give the, cre- the, dude, the dude the credit. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to give the dude the credit. I get it. The dude, the dude whose username I don't remember. Yeah, yes. you're going to give that man the credit. I get it. Uh, I think. All right, if we're going to, we'll start to bring this to a, to an end soon. But the uh, have to get out of here in a minute. Um, I think the two people that die, hopefully, Littlefinger, right? Like Littlefinger thinks he's getting like he's uh he's gonna play Arya and like potentially get her killed or something like that, and then yeah. she goes full on faceless and takes Littlefinger's face, uh, because she's got to be the one that kills him uh, to take the face, yeah. uh, because then she can start traveling around with that face, uh, which also gets lets us keep that actor because he's a great actor. Um, I just think that that character is pretty much like we've we've exhausted all use of that character. Um. In its current form. Uh, I think that's one person that dies. And I think hopefully, hopefully, I think Cersei dies. Because I, so, I don't want that whole, like, storyline to, like, dominate. Well, maybe she doesn't die. Because I'm not thinking about it, like, because you're on Greyjoy still has to come back, right? Yeah. And they yeah, still... he's been out for, like, four episodes now. They still got to go to war. But, like, to you... What is the more exciting conflict? Is it the Battle of the Kingdoms? Or is it like the battle with the White Walkers? So to me, it's very handedly the battle for the kingdoms. And, and, and I'll tell you why. It's because that's what the show's focused on for pretty much six full seasons. We, we do get the White Walker stuff here and there. But we don't have too much motivation for what the White Walkers... Like, we don't know what they really are. Too, like, too well, at least. And we don't know what their motivation really is. Like, why do they even care? Is Are they just evil for the sake of evil to, to just kill all men and convert all of them so that they can take all the lands? I just I, I've I've been really compelled by the by the the realness. And, and I, I guess that's where the issue is. This is a fantasy story. So there, there there's obviously the fantasy elements. But the whole politics of the show was really captivating for me. And that's why that's more that's more intriguing. My my feeling, though, is that. I don't think the whole uh, the Valonqar, the little brother, where Cersei dies by the hand of her little brother, which people assume is, is Jamie because they say that Cersei was the one who came first. I don't know if she dies in the show, like at all. I really? think she might survive the entire thing. Yeah, be, because I feel that they really do want season eight to be focused on the White Walkers. So I do think they're going to get this white back to King's Landing in season in uh, episode eight, and that they're going to go to war. I know that. She said she's going to she like she could die. I guess the reason why she could die is because she's still going to try to play them. Like she she's not really interested. She's and, still going to play them. Brienne yeah, of Tarth that, is on her way to you know King's, to Landing. King's Landing. Yeah, so she could she could die. And and my and if that prophecy has to hold, I was telling you, I think it has to. I think it has to revolve around Brienne and Jamie has to be caring more about Brienne than than uh, than Cersei, which seems unlikely. But maybe maybe Cersei kills Brienne and Jamie goes berserk. I don't know. Yeah, because Jamie has widow's whale. She yeah. she is a widow. You know yeah, you know this that sh- is true. you know this show gets yeah. cute about this stuff. Yeah, it really does. And like you don't like people with named weapons, they're they're named for a reason. Uh, I know Joffrey gave it this name, but once it's named, it doesn't get taken away. And Brienne also has Oathkeeper with her. 
And Jamie has always been known as an oath breaker. Whether or not it's fair or not is besides the point. That's just, you know, what everyone knows him as. So yeah. there could be that too. Like, what if Brienne uh, goes to King's Landing and Cersei tries to pull some stuff, doesn't really get phased by the White Walkers, like, hey, Brienne of Tarth is an enemy to our cause, we gotta kill her. And then she and then she kills her in some brutal way. And then Jamie's like, I can't I can't take this no more. He snaps, doesn't care about the baby that is his that she's carrying, kills her. Like you can see this happening relatively quickly with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like Cersei can ever live with Danny and John. Like like both of them both parties, one has to die. One has yeah. to die. It just you just gotta decide which one it is. Like Cersei's not gonna be like, oh, we're gonna send you to fucking the Night's Watch or anything like that. You know, like you're she's going to die. It's just a matter of when. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even we, get we, we didn't even really talk about the prophecies yet, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot. We'll, uh, we'll save that for next time. Yeah, I guess so. And we didn't even talk about the the uh, the White Dragon. Oh yeah, the I white, mean the dragon white. I mean that's that's how that's how the wall's coming down. That is how the dragon fire. So, it's, is the color of the fire going to be different? That's a good question. Is it going to be blue I, fire. I like it's got to be blue fire. Yeah, you we, we you, you asked me is it, is the fire is the dragon still going to breathe fire or is it going to be ice? And I was like, oh, it's got to be ice. But no, it's got to be dra- it's got to be fire. Yeah, but it could be blue fire. And the importance of the dragon is that the the fire it burns super hot. It's magical fire. And the wall, the reason why the, walker, the walkers can't pass through the wall is because the wall was built using um, magic to keep the walkers out. So the same magic that kept the, the whites and the white walkers out of the tree uh, where, where Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven were, that's the same type of magic that's used to hold the wall up and the walkers can't pass through it. However, they might be able to use this magical dragon fire to burn the wall, just to bring it down. Right. Or melt melt the wall, I guess. Um, we still got to see Winterfell getting activated as a weapon, right? Yeah. Like, based on that prophecy. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, like, if Bran, like, the whole uh, theory that Bran is the, what, is the Night King, and this is one big interstellar uh, re- retelling where... Bran is actually some mystical being from way back when, and he accidentally created the Night King, and he keeps trying to go back to right the wrong, but, you know, every life that he leads, he he never is able to do it. He's only able to make certain things change here and there. If that's actually the theory, and if that's the proper way to go about it, then I wonder how the show is going to portray that. Because we have yeah. never seen him be Brand the Builder. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't gone that far back. Yeah, yeah and, and my thing is, because we know exactly how much time is left in the show, I don't feel like there's enough time to really explore that. So I think that if that... I, I feel like that could be the case in the books, but I feel like the show's not going to go that direction with it. But that's just me. I could be completely wrong. But I just... I feel like with very... You only have eight... There's only eight episodes left in this show. Right. They have a lot of stuff that they still that they still need to do to fit a lot of these prophecies and, and to, and, and at the same time, if some of these theories are correct, they like, it's just too much content, I think for this, for this amount of episodes. And that kind of disappoints me. I feel like there, there need there, there should be like an extra two seasons, like at least because there's just stuff that's not going to get covered or that's st- stuff that's going to be glossed over too quickly. If, uh, if these prophecies need to be fulfilled. So 
I don't know. Yeah, that, we'll, that, we'll see. That reminds me uh, of the Mass Effect theory about indoctrination, where like it was basically a fan theory that somebody created that actually made a lot of sense, it gained a lot of traction, but then Bioware never really addressed it. And so I can understand that like if Brand is a Night King is something that we are uh, like all in on, we're gonna have to wait for George R. R. Martin to uh, to explain that to us. Yeah. If that's yeah, his, exactly. that's his take. Yeah. Anyways, um yeah. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. It's a doozy. It's a great yeah. episode. It's a great episode. It's a, really good, it's a really good episode, yeah. Yeah. I guess we're just gonna have to start watching elite episodes now, so <laughs> Alright, well I'm Russell. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week.